edition of the Romantic About Baseball podcast. Uh, I am your host, Adam McKinnon, joined as always as, but with my co-host, Jim Passon Jr. Hello, happy holidays, or whatever it is here in between uh, uh, Christmas time, Hanukkah time, and New Year's, whatever, right? We're in yeah. that fat, fat person stage <laughs> where we ate too much food. So exactly. Happy holidays to you. Indeed. You as well, sir. And, uh, you know, we've got a lot of ground to cover here on the last episode of the uh, 2019s, or the 2010s, rather. So, uh, Jim, it's time to put a nice little bow on our divisional series here and uh let's talk al east uh al east baseball here and uh we're gonna start at the top with your hometown team uh the new york yankees um in my written companion for this normally i actually tried i tried really hard for every team to try to find some kind of free agent target and maybe it's just you know uh, the end of the year the holidays the what you know call it what you will i just do they they don't need anybody i just put na because this team just a lot like the astros um is running out a hundred win team a clear world series favorite in my opinion for the 2020 season uh after the acquisition of garrett cole so my my question to you is really just with a rotation like Garrett Cole, Luis Severino, uh, Masahiro Tanaka, James Paxton, or, and then of course you could have you know Jay Happ or Jordan Montgomery on the back end. Is this their division? To, is this their World Series to lose? I mean, it has to be. I mean, it really has to be. You went out and you spent the money on Cole. I mean, really, Cole's your replacement for C. See Sabathia. I mean, uh, that's an upgrade time. I'll take that. Right there, right? I mean, it, and and it's just. I mean, that was the one thing that it, you know, as Yankee fans, uh, I and others have always been over the last few years. Hey, we need starting pitching, right? And I'm a huge relief pitcher guy. I love bullpenning, and I think it works out great more times than it doesn't. Versus having uh, starting pitching try to carry a load too much. Um, but yeah, it's been a weakness for a while now. There hasn't really been that solid guy. Tanaka's had his UCL issues. Severino's out quite a bit now. Um, just really hasn't been that number one. Paxton was looking like he was going to be that guy, and then he ran into some struggles. But I think some of those struggles all fell underneath that crazy juice ball that they were using last year, right? Different seams, stuff wasn't moving the way it usually does. That messed with people like Tanaka and uh, Paxton. Now that I think they've got it all figured out uh how to play with that juice ball and everything else and then you throw in cole and add him to the mix 
I mean, they're deep as deep can be. I mean, Hap's your five guy. I mean, Yankee fans would be like, great, I wish he was my six guy. But okay, well, if that's the case, you still got Loisaga, Jordan Montgomery, Albert Abreu, Davey Garcia. You got Luis Sessa sitting out in the bullpen. He can start games for you. Jordan Montgomery, Jordan Montgomery to me is an intensely underrated asset in the uh, Yankees rotation. This is a this is an easy. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but this is a, this is a strikeout artist pitcher. Uh, this is a guy who can really handle the back end of that rotation. I think he's like an eight or nine K per nine guy. So. For me, I, I look at this and I say, okay, the one deficiency the Yankees had, and this was to me, was the difference between the Astros and the Yankees' offseason approach was the the Yankees took the one deficiency they had and improved it by a quantifiable amount, like a majorly quantifiable amount. So I just feel like, this is a team that could run out as is, win a ton of games in a tough division. So I, I have to believe that until they, and then you could even say, oh, well, the injury bug bites. Well, that happened last year, too, and they still were a great ton team. ton of injuries last year. I, there's and, no way that's going to happen again. I just don't and, see it happening. And even if it, yeah, I mean, no way it could be ever to, I just can't see it being to that extreme. Even, I mean, every team's going to go through those, but it can't go to that extreme. And and the one nice thing, I mean, I mean, if you can take a positive out of that happening last year, is just the amount of experience they had to give everybody else because of it. Right. right? I mean, Luizaga, right, uh, getting a lot of action up there. Uh, Jonathan Holder spent a lot of time on the mound. Um, Gio Urshela on the on the field. Uh, what was that? Yeah. Talkman. Talkman. I mean, the yeah. there, it's it was the, it really was the next man up, and now you've got. A team with that's going to be running out uh, Aaron Judge in right field, the most underrated defensive right fielder in baseball. The uh, in left field, you're going to have Giancarlo Stanton in center field. Aaron Hicks. I'm not saying that you're going to get 150 games out of out of all these guys, but even if you got 130 games out of each of them. That's an improvement, an improvement on a team that was already a home run, a, a home run away, a, a banging on a trash can away. I'm kidding. I'm not. I don't really. Know. <laughs> uh, well, I would. I would write Hicks' season off next year. I, he's not going to get you out in thirty. You'll be lucky to get thirty from him. I mean, he's got Tommy John surgery. Oh, that's. So. I forgot about. Okay, <laughs> yeah. No, you're, you're totally there. right. It, yeah, he should. He shouldn't have been texting the coach. Hey, look, I'm coming back. Look, I'm on my own program out yeah. here working on my own. <laughs> who, who needs team doctors and stuff? Yeah, right? who, yeah. Overrated, no, obviously. So, any put a putting, <laughs> yeah, putting a bow. Uh, the Yankees. There's nothing really to talk about other than they're awesome and 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 they're gonna win the East and they're probably oh, gonna win the World Series. I mean, their their weakness is. <sighs> The one weakness that they're packing is in the infield, right? Luke Boyd is not the greatest defensive first baseman, right? You can always try to slide over uh, LeMahieu into that position, but that leaves second base open well, because you can't have uh, Torres there anymore because they don't have Didi at short anymore, right? Torres is going to have to play shortstop. Uh, you got Rochelle at third. These guys are going to have to be... 
taking days off here and there and there and here. I mean, are you really going to rely on, say, Miguel Andujar? Is he even going to be around for that? Um, is uh, Tyler Wade your guy? I mean, young, quick, not really powerful, really not really proven. He's had some moments, and people like him for that. But having a moment here and there in big places doesn't make you a great player. So to me, it feels like they're missing their utility infielder, right? That's That would be the part that if I was the Yankees, I'd still be out looking for, I mean, a Wilmer Flores or a Brockholm. A Starling Castro. Right Starling Castro, yeah, that's fine. Uh, you he know, doesn't it, miss any games. He's always healthy. He played there. Yeah, we're 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 reaching. I mean, we're we're yeah. we're, we're trying to find things wrong with the Yankees. I, yeah. You know, it's modern baseball. There will be something wrong, but until then, uh, I'll cl- uh, there. It's their World Series to lose. As yeah, far as I can yeah. Tell. It's, it's their division. It's their. It's, yeah, it's their yeah, their championship. That feels like top to bottom for me. Yep. And so, uh, so moving on to the next team, uh, that's the the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, th- this is a team that em- sort of embodies the the whole uh, Oakland A's style. You know, uh, why do we? On one hand, we keep questioning why they keep winning, but on the other hand, they still keep winning. So it just feels t- it feels tired to keep doubting the Rays. And, you know, there's two parts of the Rays that I thought was most interesting. First off was their rotation is is very interesting to me. Um, Blake Snell, Charlie Morton, who was, who was basically going to retire this year and was like, well, wait, this is actually still really fun. Um, Tyler Glass now, who could be making a lot more uh, of an impact this year. And then uh, Yanni Chirinos, which I- I'm telling you that he could be a – this is a pinpoint control uh, prospect that came up through the race system. I like him a lot this coming into this year. And then, of course, uh, the possibility of Adam McKay uh, anchoring the back end of that rotation as a, as a two-way player. Uh, and then, of course, uh, there. You know, so what, let me back up first. What do you think of the Rays' rotation and their pitching situation going into oh, the year? My, I, the Rays' rotation, I mean... It's it's hard to call them underrated because of just how, how strong they've been. I mean, Snell had a little bit of injury bug going, right? But I mean, 2018 AL Cy Young winner Morton last year was third in AL voting behind Cole and Verlander, who were ridiculous, right? Uh, Glass now injury slowed him down, right? Um, and but when he did pitch, I mean, well, Glass now was good for about six innings a start. Uh, tossing about 10k per nine, you know, ERA under 10 before he got hurt, or under, t- I mean, ERA under two, right? <laughs> I hope he had an ERA. ERA under Everybody's 10. got an ERA under 10. <laughs> right. Um, and that's your top three. But then when you go and you try to get to like four and five, you talked about McKay. I mean, there's Honeywell Jr. coming back from his injury problems that he had. Anthony Banda that they got, uh, they acquired. I can't remember how they got a hold of him. But um, they're sitting in the wings, but they've got Chirinos and Yarbrough in front of them, right? That's true. I mean, Yarbrough, yeah. I mean, there were 61 pitchers in the American League last year that tossed 100 innings, right? Uh, Yarbrough and Chirinos, for their walks and hits allowed per inning pitch, their whip, only two pitchers finished ahead of them. That's it. Colin Berlander. See, that's... Chirinos and Yarbrough are next on that list. Those are their 
four and five pitchers in that rotation with the backup of McKay, Honeywell, and Bando behind them just waiting in the wings. It's it's fascinating to me that we continue to uh, you know act surprised you know that the Rays are doing what they're doing on the budget they're doing it but it's not even ending at the mound either I mean you could go into say look at their outfield just if you want a, a good time you know the big uh, story coming out of Rays camp or Rays um, the uh, I guess would you call it the camp off season I guess the Rays off season was the trading yeah. of Tommy Pham for my favorite term in baseball history for a uh, for um, uh, Renfro and a slapdick prospect, yeah. which will forever be my favorite phrase in the world. Um, but, you know, look at their outfield right now, okay? Kevin Kiermeyer, Hunter Renfro, Austin Meadows. Yep. You can't tell me that that is not the most... If you're not talking about them as one of the top five outfields in baseball right now, you're underrating them. This the, Kevin I mean, Kevin Kiermaier is a legit 2020 threat. Uh, Hunter Renfro, tons of untapped potential. He'll get regular playing time in Tampa, and then Austin Meadows, top prospect coming out of the of the Pirate system. What are are you feeling? What I'm feeling in Tampa right now? I think that I mean. They, I, I don't know where I'd rate him as a whole, right? I mean, Kiermaier, when he's on a field, he's a defensive nightmare, right? I mean, you stick him in center field, and he takes up half the outfield. Your left fielder and your right field just got to be able to kind of hold their own, right? I mean, he can cover some ground and everything else, right? Austin Meadows, I mean, he had a great year last year, right? He was awesome before the All-Star break and even that much better after the All-Star break last year. So I, I really like the way that they're sitting, right? Two left-handed bats and a right-handed bat out there. And then in uh, free agency, um, I mean, they went out and picked up, uh, I'm probably going to jack the name, but Yoshi Tsutsugo, right, out of Japan. That's a pretty I good mean, job. That's a pretty good job. And I, they, that's a guy that, I mean, he's multi-position. I believe he plays left and corner infield, if I remember correctly. Um he's going to be a welcome addition. I mean, that's a it's a power bat in a way, uh, but it's a solid eye for a bat from what I gathered from his stats. Um, Tsutsugo's hit over 500, or slugged over 500 every year for the last six years, uh, playing for the Yokohama Bay Stars in Japan. So uh, a 956 OPS over that six-year span. I mean, even if that's considered a quadruple a league i mean i take a guy out of triple a that was hitting 956 and install him in my outfield without any issues right so if you lose a hundred points on your ops that's an 856 ops that's a mid 800s ops put that i will take that in my lineup anywhere especially yeah. if i'm operating on a budget like the tampa bay Rays. those guys just don't grow on trees no. so um and i'm not I'm not even sure what they got Tsutsugo for. I can't even recall what it, what his deal was price-wise, but I know it was affordable. And I just it's that's what Tampa Bay is. That is their mold. They go and they find that money ball guy, right? The most that they can get for their money and, and make it work. And I'm just not going to be shocked. I mean, I was talking to Jeremy Frank just yesterday about this, about how this team's going to, 
this team could win 95 games still. I mean, it's just And be ridiculous. a wild card. And, be a, and they'll be a wild card team. And be a wild card team, right? So, which, yeah, which also begs that they should change how that's done, too. I agree with that. Um, I, I, I'm going to give you one player to watch off this roster, though, that I am watching like a hawk this year. That's going to be Willie Adamas. I am a sucker for a good glove and that's why I love this team for that reason. I love Kevin Kiermeyer, but Willie Adamas, uh, to give you some perspective, uh, finish. Do you have any idea where he finished in defensive wins above replacement per baseball reference last season? Oh my gosh, y'all. You're going to have to give me a second. Take a look. I'm at not that. going to give you a second. I'm just going to answer the question for you. He finished okay. only behind. He finished third, only behind two players. And one of them was not Andrelton Simmons. Huh. <laughs> But the, and the biggest thing they they were Matt Chapman, and yep. uh, and uh, Perez. I forget his first name. Perez, catcher oh. for the Indians. Yeah, Roberto. I believe. Roberto Perez. So yeah. here's here's what cracks me up. Willie Adamas. This is a guy who has uh, high 700s OPS so far. You know, roughly in the high 700s in his MLB career. This is a guy who could legit, if he can put the bat to even be in the same ballpark as the glove. This guy is a huge talent. I would love to see his bat measure up to his glove this season. And I think it's possible. So I am watching him like a hawk this year. And if he does, I'm telling you, this guy is a difference maker. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, another guy that they need to have is that kind of catch up to his glove is behind the plate too. I mean, that's, that's a raised weakness is Mike Zunino behind the plate. Is there going to be their starting catcher this year? I put I mean, Jason Castro as a potential free agent acquisition for them. I mean, in terms of what's left on the board, I, I got to imagine that they have to do, they have to do something. I agree with you. You would think they would, but I think Castro might be just a little bit more than what they're expecting. I mean, I think, People were thinking that he'd be more of an affordable option, but I think Castro's price has gone up now that the market is clean, right? I think uh, if you're looking for good catching, uh, you're going to have to pay the price. He's the one at the top of the list, and there isn't really much out there that, to trade for. There's a bunch of people just offering up catchers that are worth a dang, right? So, I mean, I could see more like a Robinson Chirinos landing there being the Rays, right, trying to get the most out of him. And then I can also get the Chirinos throwing to Chirinos thing that I wanted with the battery. So I, that's what I want. Robertson Chirinos, put Zunino behind him. But if Zunino can figure it out, I mean, only a couple of years ago out here in Seattle, good grief, man. When that guy had bat to ball, that thing flew. And if he yeah. can get his slugging percentage back up there in the 500 range, why this not? Team's yeah. Be ridiculous. Yeah. This, so I, I, could, I could see. I, I, yeah, uh, the the possibilities are. are yeah, honest. my concern with them is definitely catching. I yeah, mean, Zunino had the worst OPS plus over the last what two seasons, I believe. Yeah, last year, right? He had a forty-four OPS plus out of uh, two hundred ninety-six people that had two hundred fifty at bats last year. His forty-four OPS plus was the worst. I mean, my, it was worse than Chris Davis. My two-year-old daughter has a better than four forty-four OPS plus. Or uh, yeah, no, that's not good. No, um, so. Uh, moving on to the next team, that's the Boston Red Sox. And, you know, I'm going to take the theme that we did with the Chicago Cubs. It's not with this team. It's not so much about 
what's coming in as opposed to what be what could be going out. Um, you know, obviously, you're talking about uh, Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts is the hot topic of conversation. Um, the possibilities are endless. You know, I know that uh, there have been a lot of teams checking in on him. Um, you know, the Dodgers in particular, uh, you know, the I'm sure the Braves are checking in on him. There's a lot of possibilities. But for me, uh, I, I really look at not just Mookie Betts, but I think they have to start looking at some other aspects of their team too. You know, is Raphael Devers your guy? Is, is Xander Bogarts having great year at the plate? Historically, a, a not a good defensive shortstop. Is he your guy? Would you agree with me? I would think the Red Sox need to be going from the top down and just start. I think a fire sale is just about due for this team. I mean, I mean, their main goal is to stay under that two hundred eight million dollars, right? Which they're, from my understanding, they're bumped up right against it. And if some of these players on their team uh, hit any of their bonuses, it might push them over it, right? So they're looking to cut. They need to cut some money. And I mean, the more money that they can cut at once, the better, right? I mean, that's why you see people like, hey, let's pack price with somebody else and and see if we can move both of them out of here and get rid of both of those because i mean they're paying a lot of people this year right i mean ivaldi's making 17 million dollars this year pedroia is making 13 jd martinez is making 23 and three quarters million bogart's is making 20 30 for sale 32 for price uh and then bets i'm not arbitration is going to push him almost what 28 million dollars in arbitration they're figuring so uh, i have to believe they're not going to trade him in the offseason either i i don't i don't think that the momentum is there just yet i think that they are going to wrench as much as they can out of out of Mookie Betts. I, I just yeah. I just don't see it as a possibility. And there's so many tradable and that's what it gets me about the Red Sox. There's so many tradable pieces here. You've got a ton of teams on the upswing with loaded farm systems. You mean to tell me if I you're not the if you're the San Diego Padres, if you are the um I wouldn't say the Arizona Diamondbacks per se but if you are a team on the uptick, the Chicago White Sox, if you're a team on the upswing of a rebuild, are you should be on the phone with the Boston Red Sox right now to try and get a piece of maybe not bets. Bets, I think, is more designed the way that it's set up in his contract. I think he's more set up for a current contender. He's going to go somewhere like like Los Angeles, the National League version. Uh, Atlanta, uh, New York. He, he's designed for a team that's competing this year so that because he's been very clear he wants to test free agency. Um, I, I think he's going there. But why would you not take someone that's on a longer-term deal? Hey, you want Rafael Devers? There's third base markets. You lost out on Donaldson? Here's Rafael Devers, but you got to take David a chunk of David Price too. What do you think? Yeah. I, I just believe that the issue ends up being with all of the guys that Boston is trying to move, bet, sale, and price being the big three to me that they're trying to really move because I know they'd move sale if they could, right? I mean, is that they all come with their own different packages, right? Um, you know, you're saying, okay, now you, you want to build something, you're on the uptick, and you want to get a hold of somebody that's got some years on a, on their contract, a price or sales, your type of guy. 
if you didn't want to pay $30 million per year for that, well, you're out of luck. That's what they've got. I mean, and Boston really isn't looking to be like, here, take them off my hands, and I'm willing to pay eight, ten million dollars a year on it until that contract's done. And it just not doesn't feel to me like that's the offer that's on the table. It's basically you can have this really awesome pitcher, Chris Sale. He's just going to cost you thirty million dollars a year, and you're going to have to keep him for what five more years or whatever his contract right. has left on it, right? And I think that just seems to be too large of a commitment for some right it's like well yeah i could use a chris sale on my team and i wouldn't mind having him for five years but do i really want to spend 145 million dollars whatever it is for the next five years on him well no i really don't because what if i could get a hold of you know eduardo rodriguez in two years when he reaches free agency and the and the Red Sox can't afford him, right? Well, at least right. I can get him probably at a good rate. He's a younger arm, doesn't have the issues. Right. So it's gonna take us. It's gonna take some of their young talent to pair with one of these overpriced contracts to 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 move to get where they want to go to accomplish what the Red Sox are trying to do, which is shed payroll and boost an otherwise completely mortgaged farm system. Yeah. Um, to get back up. So I, I agree with you. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to be watching this team for what's going out more so than what's going in. It would not surprise me to see an 80-something, low 80s win team this year in Boston. Yeah, I mean, I, they got a great core. I mean, if they, if they wanted to build around it, spend some money, this team could win 100 games. I yeah. mean, even with what's left out of the free market what's available to trade out there good grief this team could win 100 games they just have to go over the they have to go over the luxury tax and and they're refusing to do that and the whole league knows it and they're acting like it so that's why the whole league is pretty sure that boston isn't just blowing smoke right is that well look at look at the way they're acting they're not blowing smoke they're really actually trying to stand to that 208 well you think the league have got any forgiveness for a team like that they've won two world series titles in like the last seven years right i mean they they bought their world championships and now they've got to pay the price. You got David Price on your team. He's yours. Good luck. Right? Yeah. Have fun with it. I hear you. I, I, I just kind of feel like, you know, yeah, kind of like in the vein of what you're saying, you know, the, uh, the, the payment is coming due and I think it's time for the Red Sox. If you're going to pay it, lean into it, just wear it for a couple of years and then come back stronger. But otherwise, I think this team is doomed uh, for a fire sale. They won a World Series, right? I mean, that's kind of the goal, right? Yeah, that's flags. why the Cubs, right? Right? Why we compare the Cubs to this situation is that they sold the farm, they paid for a bunch of guys, and they won a World Series. Everybody yeah. was happy. They threw a parade. Flags, so, flags fly forever, right? Yeah, give me one of those for my team. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I hear I hear that. Um, so, all right, moving on to the Toronto Blue Jays, and I think uh, the title of my my subheading kind of summed it up. Um, it was uh, I'm pulling it up right now. Okay, the children shall lead them. You know, you, you've got a a second generation of um you know players leading the blue jays i picked you know i think this the hunjin ryu signing was brilliant uh they are not going to compete this year but i think that they are in a position to really fortify themselves i could see someone like a um you know like an alex wood or a will harris somebody that they could take in on a one-year deal or a low-cost reliever and just say okay 
Um, we're not going to compete this year, but we're going to build up a roster of tradable veterans, players that are building value, and then continue to increase the strength of the uh, of the roster for when they are ready to compete, like bridge the gap, so to speak. I think that's probably the best way to put it, to bridge the gap until player until the Blue Jays are ready to make a run at Tampa and New York. Uh, what do you what do you think? I I mean they've got they've got the core coming together, right? I mean you can like you say you feel like uh, with all the kids coming up and everything else, it's there. Uh, and I think that's why they're in on these guys building these four-year deals for Ryu, uh, two-year deals for um, uh, Shun Yamaguchi, Tanner Roark. I think they got a year plus an option on Chase Anderson left still. And so, I mean, some of that isn't really appetizing for like, well, wow, it's great. That's my three, four, or five pitchers or whatnot. I mean, Matt Shoemaker, injuries, uh, great when he's on the field. Um what what can they bring you so it feels like they're short there but this team also doesn't feel like the type of team that's really competing for 2020 i really can't see a what, 67 win team from last year flipping the script enough to get to the point that they're a wild card especially if they've got to play with the rays or red Sox and the yankees 19 times a piece throughout the year they only get 19 games against the orioles just like everybody else in the division that's not enough for them to make up but based on I the based on the chip away based on the metrics that we used for the for the offseason series uh this is a team that didn't rank higher than 19th in any category so I, I statistically, it's still um, it's a team that's entirely built on upside. It's entirely built on Vlad Guerrero figuring out the strike zone. It's entirely built on Biggio and Bichette and Guriel finding consistent spots in the field, consistent playing time, and also finding ways to to be a contributor at their spot in the lineup around Guerrero. Because I still think he's the linchpin of the entire operation. So when you uh, when you look at this, I still very much feel like this is a team uh, that is not in it for 2020. I think you're still looking at a 90-loss-plus team this year. But you're also looking at a team that could very well flip that around yeah. in 2021 or 2022. I can see this team more almost as a 500 squad. I really can. I can see him getting under 90 losses and and even pushing as low as 81 and just hitting that's as fair. a 500. I really think the capabilities are there. I think that I think maybe if they, like you said, if they can go out and try to find a little bit more pitching. I just don't know if they're gonna go out and try to get that pitching uh, because I mean, like an Alex Wood, as much as we love Alex Wood, seems to me like a one-year prove-it deal. Well, if we really don't believe this team's trying to compete for a playoff spot in 2020, then really probably not the deal that they're looking for. It sounds to me like 2021 is what they're aiming at, just the way the roster is built, right? I mean, you look at the pitchers, that's why I kind of focus on the pitchers and the length of their deals, is because their pitching staff is the part of their team that has age behind them, right? I mean, the oldest position player on their 40-man roster is recently acquired Travis Shaw. He doesn't turn 30 until April. Right? Which could I mean, be a great pickup, by the way. That could yeah, be... That, that that could be a, a great pickup. 
I think that's an awesome pickup. Right. I just can't believe that's the oldest position player on their whole 40-man roster, not just their 26, their 40-man roster. And, and that makes him the veteran. And I don't know Travis Shaw as the veteran guy, right? It just I don't think he's the me. guy you want to be your veteran guy. Yeah, so you're going to be leaning on Ryu, uh, Yamaguchi. I mean, who you're leaning on to be that guy? It just doesn't seem like that's established. And I think that's why, if they're not, if they were actually going for it in 2020, I think they'd be out trying to find like a, I don't know, an Alex Gordon or somebody like that, just to insert in that somewhat subpar outfield that they have out there, and uh, and bring some leadership, somebody that's been to the big game before and uh, and whatnot. I mean, I know it's like, I mean, I, I like to be on the stat side of everything, but I still think leadership is something that's important, and I just don't see where they got the position players to do that. I mean can't expect Vlad Guerrero Jr. to do that. I mean, he's not even 21 yet. So. Yeah, no, I, I think you're, I think that's a totally fair point. I think that, you know, this is maybe a team that's just trying to get to bridge the gap and get to 2021, 2022, uh, you know, no. just, just get themselves to a position where they can compete uh, because otherwise, yeah, I don't see this as an immediate team, but I, I think I wrote in the written companion, I said, bookmark this team for future success. Um, you know, there will, I, I am, I am in a firm believer there will be at least one postseason appearance in the 2020s for the Toronto Blue Jays. So, yeah. um, so, uh, and, and go they're ahead. Not a team that likes to be behind the, the, you know, they don't, they don't like to not be in the playoffs. Right. I mean, uh, just in the recent years, I mean, yeah, there was quite a lull there for a while in the early two thousands and whatnot, where they weren't making the postseason, just dominated Yankee Red Sox seasons in there and Orioles seasons. But, you know, as of recently, I mean, they made the playoffs back to back. I mean, they were in the ALCS back to back years as recently as 2015 and 2016. So, I mean, this is a, a team with a fan base is still ready to win right i right. think that if they take another year to try to get to that point i think the fan base would be great with them being 2021 right back in the playoffs and right back in the thick of it with their players really kind of too skip the peak. with their yeah players. with their guys with a ridiculous set of people it's like you said they're second generation players biggio bichette guerrero i mean it's every 42 year old guy like me's dream to see an entire team built like that and it ain't 1993 so it's pretty cool that that they're doing what they're doing i agree uh, so it's going to be enjoyable to watch i just kind of wish they were in a different division than my yankees understood that much understood i think you say that about a couple of these teams uh but unfortunately you can't say this about the baltimore orioles because it is it is just bad from top to bottom and through and through. I, I, you know, we, I've been making a big stink about, you know, like the Mariners and the Tigers, you know, uh, I'm not, you know, talking about them because they're not putting a look, uh, a product on the field. Um, do they're paying half, half of the Orioles entire payroll. 48% of it is going to Chris Davis, who, <laughs> you know, has, has amassed a negative 2.9 O war since 2017. This isn't like a one bad year thing. This is like, give me a, if you were to take a bad contract burrito, this is like, I don't yeah. even know. I don't. This is like the last two years of Albert Pujols 
stuffed with uh, Bobby Bonilla, wrapped in Josh Hamilton. Like, you know, it all in one horrible, horrible combination. So, you know, they, they traded Dylan Bundy. They've obviously gone for quantity over quality for prospects. I have mm-hmm. nothing to say about the Orioles other than they are, they are, they are lucky that they, uh, that they're still actually a major league team right now. Yeah, it's surprising that they haven't kicked him out yet after these last two seasons, right? I mean, Brutal. They've, won a, they've won 101 games over the last two years. They have a team in their own division that won 103 last year alone. I mean, it's just they're so far behind, and it seems like they're only pushing to get even I mean, farther behind, right? I mean, they won 54 games, which was an uptick from the season before, which is sad to say already, right? But um, they're just... A, the type of team that even if they've got anything good they're going to get rid of it like yeah. Johnson Villar right it was like oh okay we're going to let him go to Miami I mean Miami I mean Miami got that of, of all play <laughs> Renato you know Renato Nunez like I'm just like running down the roster I'm like he had an OPS of 771 last season sure get out you know what I mean like yeah if he's any good in the first half of this season trade deadline bait yeah, just Seriously. just just get out. You know, I, I'm I'm done. I'm done San, with the Orioles. Santa, Santander's the same thing. Yeah, uh, I, he's trade deadline bait as well, right? Trey Mancini. If Trey Mancini realizes his prospect potential, just I, I think. Yeah, I think Mancini might be the only one that they might say is untouchable. He might be the one that they're building around. I am not sure. Yeah, he, he's. He's ridiculous. I mean, the 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 bring back that you should get out of him should be huge. But I mean, they did let go of Manny Machado like it was nothing. So I'm, yeah. I mean, anything's possible with the with the Orioles. Yeah. This is a team that they are trying to clear payroll over the next two years. They have two years left on Alex Cobb, and they got three years left on that terrible Chris Davis deal where they got twenty three million a year on him. So what sixty nine million years left yeah. on on that three year deal. If they get through the next two and get through Cobb and two years of Chris Davis, they're just going to cut Chris Davis a year after that, deal the money away, and then they don't owe anybody anything. And now you basically got yourself a, 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 a team in its inaugural season, right? Yeah, you, you've got an expansion team. so That's all it is. Yeah, that's that's really all I have to say about that. So, yeah, if you're, if you're an Orioles fan and you're like, hey, you know what? We could be an expansion team in 2022, and that's what you're looking forward to. That's an improvement yeah. over what you're currently seeing. So yeah, it's better than what you've got, and that's yeah, it's going to be a rough that's half a of the first they, decade. So after after the break, we're going to come back with Jim uh, Stat Spotlight, and uh, we'll be right back. And we're back. Jim, it's time for the Stat Spotlight. So uh, talk to me, buddy. Last uh, podcast of uh, the year, the 2010s, all right? I mean, I wouldn't call it a decade because I think decades end with a zero, not with a nine, but whatever. But semantics. here we are, right? We're, <laughs> yeah, semantics. Right? We're out of the 2010s after this. So basically, uh, we're just I just wanted to kind of look back at the 2010s and just look at a few things that I found interesting in the 2010s and, uh, and uh, maybe look a little forward to see what the 2020s is going to bring us. So... Um, 
just some interesting thoughts and, and, and things that I saw, right? Where um, it, we know stolen bases are going backwards. We know pitching is changing. Uh, but still, just there's people that want to hold on to the past and the way the game used to be. And it just ain't going to be that way. So I'm just going to tell you about complete games in the last decade uh, and where we've gotten to. Um, Last year and, and the year before, we had a total of 79 complete games. And I'm not talking about complete games from a rain-out five-inning ball game, right? I mean, I'm in nine-inning full complete ball games. We had 79 pitcher, pitching complete games by a pitcher, right? In 2016, we had 79 in just one year, right? So in 2018 and 19, we had to get those two up just to catch up to 2016. And the worst part about it, 2016 such a decline from what it was just at the beginning of the year or the decade, right? Right. Uh, from 2015 through 2019, those five seasons, 315 complete games thrown. In 2010 to 2011, total of 326. There were 11 more in the first two years of the 2010s than the last five years, That's right? That's not that long ago. <laughs> it's not that long ago, right? The decline has been just, I mean, it's been coming, it's been coming, it's been coming, but it's just so sharp as of recently. Uh, looking at it chart-wise, it just looks ridiculous. So, just in the 2010s, we got to see that decline. And then if you just add up the 2010s all together, there were 996 complete games in the 2010s. If you go back 41 years to the 1978 season, there were 1,000 complete games on the button. Nine inning complete games thrown in one season i mean and what they have back then 24 teams yeah i mean that's that's in a shorter season and a shorter season yeah no they had the 162 games oh they did okay yeah 61 was the expansion year so um yeah it's uh it's just it's just ridiculous kind of where we've got in the 2010s so i really wanted to kind of put a spotlight on complete games and just to expect that even though we had 996 complete games and that was less than they had in all of 1978 it's only going to get lower Right. <laughs> it's really, if we have 500 complete games in the next decade, I'd be kind of shocked personally. Yeah. So now, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to opine with you for on that same sort of token, except I'm going to take a slightly different track. And I, I want to talk about stolen bases. Um, between the years 2000 and 2010, any idea how many 70 stolen base seasons that we saw? Oh, from 2000 to 2010, I'd say it's got to be about. Ten of them, maybe? Uh, we saw three. Three oh. 70 stolen base seasons. We saw one in 2004, one in 2007, one in 2009. Dang. That is, 2009 is the last 70 stolen base season. So we saw zero in the, since 2010. And as a matter of fact, we didn't even see... So we saw zero 70 base, stolen base seasons since 2017 we have or excuse me i should back up from 2016 we've only seen 260 stolen base seasons the same number of 50 base 50 stolen base seasons in fact we haven't seen the total number of uh, you know if you were to isolate say 20 to 30 stolen bases 30 to 40 just separate by tiers if you will yeah. um, we haven't seen 30 players steal 20 bases since 2015 so 
the, you're talking about the real decline in stolen bases, and, and you know, and I and I've I did a little bit of research into this, and you know, it, it does. There's nothing correlating with it in the sense of it's not like catchers are getting that much better. The caught stealing percentages have, if any, have actually declined. In 2015, 42.5% uh, of runners were caught stealing. That has declined every year since, uh, down to, from 42.5 in 2015, 39 and a half, 37, 38.5, and 36 and a half percent, all the way leading up to 2019. So, what we're really looking at is even though there's an inefficiency in catchers, because they're catching less of the runners, teams are just that much more risk-averse and are simply not stealing bases anymore, which is a real shame, because to me, the stolen base is the most exciting play in baseball. And I think uh, one of the biggest takes about the stolen base is just... uh... In my eyes, it's the analytical approach that they're taking to it now, right? I mean, when you're talking about 50 base stealers and 60 base stealers in a season and everything else, you're talking about a player, right? Where, you know, if we're just looking at overall numbers, right, of amount of stolen bases and everything else, I think we've seen the opportunities go down, uh, but we really haven't seen the actual stolen base totals really decline as as harsh as that. We all feel like we see it, right? We're just not seeing it happen as often, but they're not getting thrown out as much. They're just taking a better approach, right? The guy on first base knows, okay, hey, if you edge out an extra three inches, I can I can pick up that one hundredth of a, a second that you need to get to the base, right? Off of this catcher, his pop times this, his arm does this, right? Yeah, well, they're just so much better to to realize that, hey, even an Albert Pujols who keeps stealing at least one base a year or whatever he does every year can can snag one once in a while, right? But you know, but. The years of the 30, 40, 50, 60 stolen base type of guys, eh, those are gone because it really, I think we're stealing bases based upon analytics more than... I just think it's ooh. a shame. I agree. I think it's a shame, though. I think that there's a part of, there's an aspect of the game that, you know, I'm an analytics guy as much as anyone else. I feel like the for the talent that we're bringing up, the complete nature of the talent that we are bringing up compared to generations past, I feel like we are squandering. We are squandering uh, fast athletic players uh, by simply just being too risk averse, even though there's a clear inefficiency in the market. Um, You know, you're talking about a year where, uh, you know, 2,280 bases were stolen last season that is the least in the last 20 years and it is just going down and down and down so for me i just kind of look at it and i just say it's it's a shame and and i don't that's one trend of analytics that i that i don't care for um as if you group if you group them as a decade you see a different you'd see a different setup right right Uh, 20 uh, 2000 to 2009 right they had almost 28,000 stolen bases it was 27,958 but the next decade the decade that we're just leaving 
27,247, the difference of 711, right? Right. That's 71 stolen bases a year that we declined from the decade before with Ricky and and everybody. Some of those guys that we we saw, but even then wasn't the 90s heydays of Ricky and... And and Tim Raines. We got got older Ricky instead of younger Raines and Kenny Lofton and stuff like that, right? I mean, we did get Lofton in the 2000s, but... um, it, it yeah I, I I think the I think it's just yeah the risk right I right. think there is opportunity missing there I think that with the talent that we have and the speed that we have if they were willing to take more risk we could actually see that stolen base number go up and still keep the stolen base percentage where it's at just yeah to take those opportunities totally agree I just I don't I don't see it as a I, I see it as a as a trend I see it as more of a sustainable trend and that's what I think is kind of most upsetting about it so yeah, yeah it just reminds me of talking about the Mariners last last yeah. week right about right. 39 and 37 when they stole a base you know, they're a winning team when they're stealing a base in a game the rest of the season eh. Yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. So, so, um, yeah. so tell me. All right. So we were talking about uh, predictions for the the twenty twenty. So, so what's your what's your prediction? What what's your bold prediction for the coming decade? Well, I mean, for me, uh, I guess uh, I got a few that I would like to I'd like to put out there. Uh, in the twenty tens, uh, we saw twenty four of thirty teams uh, in the league win a postseason game. Uh, I'm going to say in the 2020s that all 30 teams find a way to win at least one postseason game. Wow. Okay. I like that. I like that. So yeah. you're thinking that the uh, the parity, you know, continues. I think the parity gets even better. I think that the teams that are rebuilding are going to get closer and they get where they need to be. And I really, I think that. Uh, I think that once they have their next meeting, a, a harder salary cap is going to be in place to try to drive these teams closer together. I think the next uh, bargaining agreement is going to change a few things in my eyes, but Interesting. not such a soft salary cap. And and I think that when you get that, then you get more parity. You end up being more like uh, NHL or something to that effect. Yeah, I could see that. Um, so. I've got okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna run something down for you really quickly. Um, the 2020s for me, I'm thinking I'm kind of in the same vein of what you were talking about. Um, I'm thinking sorting divi- sorting uh, World Series winning teams by division because we just finished talking about the division, uh, you know, division by division for the for the uh, upcoming season. So let me lay this on you real quick. And I'm and I've I've got teams listed here, but I'm I don't know how bold I'm feeling with this. So here we're gonna go. Uh, in the A, I think the AL East brings home three World Series winners in the 2020s. I think two of them end up being the Yankees, and one of them, I think, the Tampa Bay Rays take home a, take home a World Series this decade. I really do. Um, AL Central, I think they take home one trophy, and I think the White Sox are the team that does it. I'm picking, I'm picking a White Sox World Series win All this right. decade. I think the AL West brings home two. That's the Ast- I think one for the Astros and one for the A's. I Poor think Mike the uh, yeah yeah I feel you. Uh, three uh, for the NL East. I think the NL East uh, takes home three. I think the Braves win two World Series this decade, and Oof. the Phillies take home one as well. I got nothing for the NL Central. Ugh. 
And the NL West, I think the Dodgers finally get over the hump and they take home. I, I And I think that in terms of early, early part of the decade, first half of the decade, I think the Dodgers, Yankees, Dodgers, Yankees, and Astros are obviously good picks for the early part of the decade. But yeah. I, I'm trying to think. Of t- I thought tried to think of teams with a lot of upward mobility, like the White Sox. I tried to think of teams that are only on the upswing of rebuilds and strong cores, like the Braves and the Yankees, um, and then teams that just seem like you know if they if times were getting hard enough, they would just throw money at it, and that would yeah. be someone like the the Phillies. Um, the Dodgers, yeah, yeah, or the Dodgers, like teams that like when times when when the bubble was about to burst, they just dumped money at it. Yeah. So, um, so that's my that's my crazy prediction for the 2020s: picking picking the World Series winners by division, uh, and um, of course, I'm going to throw the Rays, the A's, and uh, the Phillies in there because why not? Yeah, so you got six coming out of the AL East and the NL East alone. I mean, the last six that have been won uh, just this past decade have all been out of different divisions, right? Every right. division's won one in the last six years. So, as much parity yeah. as there is, as, as, there's something to be said for that because for as much parity as there is, the you know the big thing in the postseason is I feel like that you're get you've got the Yankees with just such an undeniably strong structure of a roster. And then you've got the Braves who are have accumulated this postseason experience in the, in the 2010s that are these young, suddenly Ronald Acuna and Dansby Swanson and Ozzie Albies, suddenly they're experienced postseason players. Yeah. So the this becomes a less of a narrative and, and, and eventually, you know, the experience wins out. Gotcha, gotcha. Understandable. Uh, last year's uh, or this last decade in postseason wins, Giants had the most postseason wins with thirty-six. Makes sense. Car- Cardinals with thirty-five. Ugh. The Dodgers had thirty-three on their way to not winning a World Series. Thirty-three postseason wins, right? Third most. Houston's next on the list at twenty-eight. Yankees are next at twenty-four. Boston at 23 and Kansas City at 22 for the most postseason wins. Every one of those teams won a championship except for the Dodgers and the Yankees. I, I kind of feel like both. This is going to be a more predictable decade, but I feel like the quality of ball leading into the World Series is going to be a lot better than it has been. There won't be as many like you know blowouts in the wild card games. I think this is. I I, I am very excited for the coming decade of baseball because I feel like it's just getting yep. while while the picks are more predictable like you know we could be cycling back to the 90s you know with the Yankees and Braves rivalries and and the A's starting to make a comeback and things like that i really honestly feel like the quality of ball leading up to it you can't say enough about that yeah. So. Yeah, I think I think pitching's the future where it's all going. Just from the patterns that we're seeing, right? Just looking at last decade, looking at the, the decade before, and, and seeing where pitching's gone. Uh, Dodgers struck out fourteen thousand batters in the last decade, right? Uh, it, that's been the big jump, right? So where the pitching goes seems to be where the championships are going to go. Teams that are willing to spend on uh, on on good pitching. And keeping the ball in the park and making sure that the ball doesn't even get away from the catcher's glove. I think they're the ones that are going to be the ones that are going to be winning, but they're going to be paying a high price for them because those guys are starter wise every fifth day, reliever wise, you know, 
you know, two out of every four days type of people. But you're going to have to pay high dollar for those guys for their, their not being able to play everyday performance. I think the future is pitching and, and the 2020s make that happen. Um, so for me, I've got, you know, I've got the Mariners winning one. The Why not? I won't even be there to see it, but it'll be his work, yeah. right? <laughs> Why not? I don't even know. I don't even know. It'll be like Ichiro will be like the general manager or something like that. But Dakota won't be there. Mariners are not going to just finally make the playoffs. They'll actually win a World Series, right? Love it. Um, Why not? But, yeah, I got a couple more that I, you know, at least one more that I want to, uh, prediction-wise, that I'd like to take a look at, right? Throw Before it out Before we there. get out of here. Um, decade to decade, right? Just looking at 2000 to 2009. And just looking at the league's overall on-base percentage, if you take every one of those seasons from 2000 to 2009, the on-base percentage for the league, each one of those seasons was better than any of the seasons between 2010 and 2019. So if you had to rank them 1 through 20 for on-base percentage for the league, 2000 through 2009 are the top 10, 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. And then the next 10 are below that. Well, Mike Trout's the opposite of that, right? Mike Trout's an on-base machine. He's getting on there. And that's why his OPS is going through the roof. His OPS plus, right? It's going through the roof. It's not like he's putting up unseen numbers before. He's just putting up un- he's just putting up those crazy numbers in a league that's going backwards, right? Uh, batting average from two decades ago, 265. This past decade, 254. 334 was the on-base percentage. It's down to 320. 424 was the slugging percentage in the early 2000s. Last decade, 408. All of those are going down while Trout is going up or staying at where he's been, right? So as that keeps going down, his OPS Plus is just going to keep rising, going to keep racking up the war because of it. So I believe Mike Trout, by the end of the 2020s, with that gigantic contract, after the 2029 season's over, only Babe Ruth will have sit ahead of him on the war leaderboard. I find that extremely believable. It's a long road. He's going to have to rack up, you know, 90 war. Basically, uh, it's, you know, I mean, right now he's at 72 and a half. I'm really, I use baseball reference word because that's, you know, that's me. That's my play index. I enjoy it. Right. So to get to second place, He's going to have to surpass Walter Johnson, who's at 164.3 right now. So he's got to get basically 92 war over the next 10 seasons. So, you know, it's, it, it's, it's not that unreasonable considering, like you talk about, the declining of particular metrics across the league and also factor in the his overall – this guy has not even hit his peak yet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've got this perfect storm of ascension of his skill set versus the sort of decline or dissension, if you will, of the skill set of the league that affects this all-knowing metric. Yeah. And you've kind of got a perfect storm of, you know, being able to increase that number by leaps and bounds. Yeah, I mean, he's already a nine-war-year type of guy, just the way he's already set up for the first part of his career. Right. Um, I, I think, yeah, as you say, just the the storm setting up for him to be able to become a 10-plus a war per season type of guy just by being who he is and watching the rest of the league keep declining into the, the years of these pitchers because right. these pitchers are just 
just strikeout artists are crazy. Well, that's going to do it for us here at the Romantic About Baseball podcast for the season of 2019. Uh, and uh, we uh, wish you guys a happy new year. And we will be we'll be back, actually, uh, we'll be back in a week, most likely, uh, just talking, uh, continuing to talk baseball. We've got a lot of really exciting stuff planned for the 20 uh for the 2020 season uh and we'll you know make sure you stay tuned to uh the twitter the twitter account which is at rmntc baseball i am at at adam c mac and uh jim what's your twitter handle uh at passon jim p-a-s-s-o-n-j-i-m and we'll be looking forward to you know keep stay tuned at romanticaboutbaseball.com and uh, we will be, uh, we'll look forward to seeing everybody in the new year for a new decade of baseball. Yeah, happy New Year's, everybody. Thanks. Well,